Did you know that on our website, KLWN.com, as well as our sister stations, 1059kissfm.com, bull929.com, we have a program called Hometown Deals. So you click the tab, and it takes you to a magical place where gift cards are 50% off. We have handfuls of different restaurants and places that you can go to that you can get a 50% off gift card too. So just go to the website, click Hometown Deals, and you'll see some of those gift cards for 50% off. If you're a business and interested in being part of this as well and getting featured ads at no cash price and just gift card cost, shoot us an email, djohnson at gpmnow.com. Different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We've got Matt Tate from Lawrence Journal World joining us at 340. We've got Kevin Flaherty joining us from 24-7 Sports at 440. And we've got another round of RCST trivia today along with plenty more to come. DraftKings Sportsbook is coming to the Sunflower State. It won't be long before you can bet on all your favorite sports from the comfort of your own home. To celebrate, all new customers will receive $100 in free bets when you sign up using code KLWN, plus one lucky customer will win a $100,000 free bet. The uh, soft opening for sports betting starts September 1st. You have to have signed up before then. So you have about a week, I think eight days actually, to sign up, use code KLWN, get your $100, and... You know, if it does work out that because, again, I'm not totally clear what the soft opening means uh, and everything, but um, hypothetically, KU football first game is on the second. You'd be able to bet on that game. I'm just saying. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code KLWN to get $100 in free bets to use once mobile sports betting hits Kansas. Plus, one customer will win a $100,000 free bet. That's code KLWN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at DraftKings.com sportsbook. Subject to regulatory licensing requirements. One per customer. $100 issued as four free $25 bets no purchase necessary for sweepstakes void where prohibited ends first day DraftKings is allowed to operate in kansas see terms at dkng.co slash ks i would assume jalen daniels will be the starter for that week one game for ku i think that seems to be the expectation at this point obviously lance Leipold mentioned that it has been to a certain extent walked back with comments about how well jason bean has played in practice so far and that he's been playing the best football of his career and having the best practices of his career and that everything truly is an open competition but Jalen Daniels is is going to be the week one starter like I feel very confident saying that the following question to that though is how long of a leash does he have right like if Jalen Daniels goes out there and, and with how well Jason Mean has played and let's say Kansas is tied at halftime with Tennessee Tech, it's 10-10. to 10. And Jalen Daniels has thrown two first-half interceptions and had a fumble in there. 
do you think Jason Mean has a shot of playing right away? Like, what is the leash for Jalen Daniels? Oh, I mean, like we've discussed previously, you can't sit here and lose to Tennessee Tech. No. You can't do it. So, if if somehow you're down at half or tied at half, like you said, and you can draw definitive lines to the play of Jalen Daniels as to why KU's in this situation, multiple turnovers, whatever, missed passes, I think you have to you have to consider it. You have to consider it, right? You you can't lose to Tennessee Tech. You can't. And and I think it would look even worse if Lance Leipold just rolled with Jalen Daniels the whole game and they lost to Tennessee Tech, right? Like that 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 would be the worst case scenario because then what we're discussing right now is going to be what everybody's going to be discussing after the game is well, where's Jason Bean? Why wasn't Jason Bean there? If if Jalen Daniels throws four interceptions or whatever, right? Like, yes. I think you absolutely have to consider it for Tennessee Tech. Now, assuming Jalen Daniels gets past Tennessee Tech, fine, he plays well, whatever. Let's say hypothetically that happens against West Virginia, mm-hmm. Houston, where Jalen Daniels has a horrible first half. I don't think you would see Jason Bean at that point. Okay, so you're saying the think, games are different. Yes, right? I'm saying the, the Tennessee Tech game, because of where it's at, obviously the first game of the season, Tennessee Tech, three wins last year as an FCF school, really not a good team. If Jalen Daniels is horrible in that game, yes, you have to. If you're Lance Leipold, that has to be on the table. But after that game, in future games after that, I think at that point, it's not. It's not necessarily. It's on easier the to table. excuse. It's easier yeah. to be like, "Hey, we're we're having growing pains," that type of thing. I, I think I agree with that. Like the Tennessee Tech game is just, even though in a vacuum it's worth the same as any other game, it's not in that. If you're struggling in that game, yeah, then it, then it becomes certainly something. But yeah, I, I but think he stuck with Jason Bean through the whole South Dakota State, through the whole South Dakota game last year. Yeah, th- that's a good point. Um, but that wasn't you know a rash of turnovers or anything. It's just no, it that they were kind of ineffective, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I think if he, that, if he's just ineffective. Yeah, if Jalen Daniels is just like ineffective, and the offense just can't move the ball. I I don't think you would see a change being made, even if the game is close against Tennessee Tech. Like it, like I said, it would have to be. Jalen Daniels, you can draw a direct mm-hmm. line to interceptions, fumbles, missed passes, whatever, and say, this is the reason why we're in this situation. Yeah, I, I think that it would have to be turnover-based, but I also think that that leash is, I, I mean, it's a long leash. Uh, even if the quarterback competition, even if you they deem Jason Bean to be close to Jalen Daniels, I think once they decide, hey, this is the guy we're going with, here's why, they're going to trust that evaluation because they're, you know, it's worse than having a starting quarterback struggle and staying in all game and, and continuing to struggle. It's pulling that quarterback. The backup goes in. The backup struggles just as bad, and now you're having to go back to the guy who originally started the game, but now you've killed his confidence. Right? Wow, you you just described like the last yeah, 10 years decade of KU football, football, right? <laughs> um, but like perfect example, like Jason Bean last year. The only reason Jalen Daniels eventually took over in the Kansas State game and got the start against Texas was because Jason Bean got injured. And there were other points last year where they could have been like, you know, the Jason Bean thing, eh, this is not good. Like, we got to go someone else. Iowa State game, which was never a game for KU. Jason Bean was 10 of 20 for 120 yards and an interception. KU lost 59-7, still kept this job. The very next game, 
He went just 11 of 21 for 80 yards and an interception against Texas Tech in a homecoming week that was a non-competitive 41-14 loss. There were a lot of bad passes in there. Uh, There was one decision where I want to say he either threw the ball away or just like ran out of bounds on like a fourth down where he scrambled away, but he still kept his job even after back-to-back of those performances. Oklahoma State game, that was ugly for KU. He went 3 of 10 for 10 yards and two interceptions. He kept the job heading into the Kansas State game. So the reason I bring those up, he had rough games. He had some bad performances, but the staff decided to stick with him because they wanted to give it that full go. They wanted to get him experience. They wanted to trust that guy and not have the same quarterback carousel that we have seen in years past um, for KU that has created that instability. So... I think I view that the same way now, that if Jalen Daniels is the pick, which I fully expect him to be the pick and be the starting quarterback week one, there's no reason for me to believe that it's going to be a short leash. There's always a line, right? Tom Brady, of all guys, Patrick Mahomes could go out there. If Patrick Mahomes starts the season and in the first five games has 25 interceptions to zero touchdowns, the Chiefs are going to bench him. They are. Like, there's a line for every single quarterback, no matter what. There's always a line. And and that's not realistic for that to happen. But the point is that, of course, there is a line. You can't just go into a season and say, no matter what, Jalen Daniels is our starting quarterback. If Jalen Daniels goes out the first three weeks, he has... 12 interceptions like yes that is a changing point but I think in a realistic way of viewing things the leash is long enough that Jalen should be the starter all season long barring injury yeah yeah because he came in energized the last three games of the season last year and not again I I mean you just read the stat lines Jason Bean was uh, when you look at the stat lines that you just read he was not good but as a whole I don't And compared to past KU quarterbacks, it's not like Jason Bean was better or worse than some of the other guys KU has thrown out there. Then, of course, he got the injury. But, but yeah, I think Jalen Daniels just – I think he just brings something a little more. And he talked about it at the media day. We heard from him where he said, this is the the first time Jalen Daniels had a whole offseason with the same playbook, same staff, same everything. So he certainly feels a lot more confident and a lot more comfortable with what he's doing. So that just bodes even even more well for him. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think Jalen Daniels is the guy, and I don't see any reason, barring a, a catastrophe against Tennessee Tech, why yeah. he would not continue to be the guy for the short term. And I think it has to be turnover-based, right? Yeah, yeah, because KU, historically, they've had guys that have turned the ball over a lot, and they've got not continued to play. So that that's the factor for Jalen Daniels. I think if he... If he just can't move the ball, then you know if it's just a bunch of three and outs, then. I don't, I but mean, with the team really, that's going to run you know. so much, like how much is like obviously there's going to be a big portion of that put on him. He's the quarterback. But if they're having a bunch of three and outs, like it's I yeah, don't exactly. think they're just going to look at it as oh that was all Jalen's fault. I think exactly. they're going to be like offensive line didn't do enough, running game didn't do enough. Yeah, you'd have to de- you'd have to definitively draw a line mm-hmm. straight to Jalen Daniels. For it for you to say, okay, maybe we should consider a change. And again, those past examples of Jason Bean, it had to be it, it would have had to been over a long sustained period yeah, of time. Like half the season. Well, I, I think just to like further this point, because this is something that has made Lance Leipold and this staff different than a lot of the past hires. Like you see it amongst the coaching staff that you know these guys stick around together and 
They have continuity as a coaching staff, whether it's the same coordinators, or same position coaches or whatever, that KU hasn't had, and you haven't had that that consistency there, which has obviously been a negative. That has carried over to the quarterback position pretty well through Lance Leipold if you look at his past seasons at Buffalo. So 2015, his first season at Buffalo, Joe Licata was the starting quarterback. That last name sounds like a type of like cheese that would be on your lasagna. <laughs> um, he had 16 touchdowns to 15 interceptions, which if you told me Jalen Daniels is going to have 16 touchdowns to 15 interceptions, I would say eh, that's kind of mildly disappointing this season. I mean, earlier last week you'd said, mm-hmm. "What if I said like 16-12, right?" Yeah, you said 16-12 yeah. would be That's like not far pretty off average. That. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but that guy was the starter all the way through the season. He had 449 attempted passes that year. Everyone else had six, so they stuck with him. 2016, Tyree Jackson takes over. Which Tyree Jackson ended up being a guy who went pro early, um, but when he took over that year as a freshman. He wasn't quite quite ready yet. Eight touchdowns to eight interceptions. Yet, he was the majority starter. He started 311 games. The backup, or I'm not started 311. He attempted 311 <laughs> passes. That would be some kind of record, wouldn't it? Um, the backup had 84 passes. And so you might even be saying there, though, okay, but there's an example if they went to another guy. Ah, not so fast. Jackson suffered a leg injury that forced him to miss multiple games. He was not benched. He was just hurt. So a guy who had eight touchdowns, eight interceptions, not benched. 2017, Tyree Jackson again, battles injury. This time he was dealing with knee injuries. So that allowed Drew Anderson and Kyle Van Treese to get some times in the games that he missed. But in the games that he was healthy, Jackson was still the majority guy. He had 12 touchdowns and three interceptions. 2018, Tyree Jackson had his breakout year, 28 touchdowns, 12 interceptions as a starter, played all 14 games for the team, ends up going pro after there. Obviously, they didn't go with someone else. So 2019, Tyree Jackson goes pro to the NFL, so now they they need to pick a new quarterback. And if you look at the stat sheet, you might say, okay, it looks like they waffled between two quarterbacks because they had Matt Myers, they had Kyle Van Treese, both get a good amount of time. But again, that was injury-based. Matt Myers started the first five games, then he suffered an injury that kept him out the rest of the way. Kyle Van Treese took over, started the rest of the season. That's kind of similar to what happened last year for KU, right? It was... We're going to stick with this guy. He got injured. We went to someone else. He had success. We'll stick with him. But it wasn't based on, well, we have to play Jalen Daniels over Jason Bean just because of uh, what you know we we think we made the wrong decision. 2020, his last year at Buffalo, Kyle Ventry started all seven seasons. So just to you know, kind of total that all up and summarize this, Leipold and his staff at Buffalo, they always stood with whatever pick they made in the preseason at quarterback. Whoever they tabbed as the best guy, they went with him. The only exception wasn't because they said, hey, we need to bench you, we need to sit you down for a game, we're going to try this other guy. It was just they got hurt. And then if you happened to have an injury and the other guys performed well, they said, okay, well, clearly we found something with with the spark and, and this guy made the most of it. But outside of that injury, which, yeah, that is a possibility. We saw Jalen Daniels get injured as a freshman. Whenever you're at KU, the offensive line, there's going to be times when you're overmatched by the defensive line and it could lead to the quarterback taking some big hits. So that is a possibility that Jason Bean could get some playing time because Jalen gets injured. But I guess the point there is that even in seasons where the quarterbacks had as many interceptions as touchdowns, they did not get benched. So I go back to this leash conversation. I think even in a year where if Jalen Daniels has 15 touchdowns and 15 interceptions, he might make his way all the way through. 
it's a season where he has eight touchdowns to 14 interceptions that doesn't get him through it. And to summarize all this, this is not something KU has had really ever. No. Since since, since Todd Reesing was the quarterback. This is not something they've had. They have two things. One, they have not really had guys play consistently enough without making huge mistakes to maintain the starting job. But then two, which is what you were just what you were just going through, they haven't had a staff that is on the staff first of all had enough continuity and enough continuity to continue with whatever they have. They haven't even had that to make that decision with the quarterbacks in terms of the staffs. So this is this is something that's basically new to KU football over the last 10 years, right? They haven't had this. They haven't had they A, they haven't had a staff of guys that have stuck together. B, they haven't had a quarterback that they felt like they could rely on clearly in the past. And C, they haven't had a staff that's had enough confidence both as a staff in themselves and in their quarterback to say, you're the guy and you're going to continue to be the guy, right? And those are things, that's like the number one basic building block of a good offense and then henceforth a good overall team, right? And that's not what KU has had. So... Does that mean there's a lot of pressure on Jalen Daniels to perform? Maybe, because he's he's getting he's being picked right. But also at the same time, Jalen Daniels, unlike maybe some past quarterbacks at KU, he might not have to feel like there's a lot of pressure on him to. You don't have to look over well. his shoulder constantly. Yes, exactly. He, he maybe he doesn't necessarily feel that pressure. And I and I would think, based off of what you just described here with with the Lance Leipold style Buffalo is. I wouldn't be surprised if Lance Leipold, you know, before the season starts or whatever, if he behind closed doors goes to Jalen Daniels and says, "Hey, I got confidence in you. You're the guy. You know, let's let's get out there and let's get after it." Right? I mean, that's he seems like the type of guy that would do that just to boost his quarterback's confidence even more. And it and his track record demonstrates that he does stick to his word on if he if he makes a statement like that, like, "Hey, we're gonna stick with this guy. We're gonna ride him thick and thin. Let's go. Let's get out there." So again, this is all new stuff for. KU. This is not what they've had in the past. And and I also think part of it is kind of KU fans have maybe gotten the sense of a guy has a bad game. Oh, here we go again. A guy has a bad game. Oh, we need to switch it up right away. You know, we need to whatever, right? So I guess from that standpoint, I would say let's see what happens, right? Let's see what happens. Again, I think barring a an absolute, complete, just devastating performance from Jalen Daniels against Tennessee Tech. I would say just let just see what happens. See what happens. Yeah, yeah, it's that consistency. I mean, like you said, since Todd Reesing, you're looking at what? I mean, you did have at least some consistency there with Jordan Webb. I think Turner Gill kind of stuck with him for a while. Yeah, but even, um, even Carter Stanley throughout his entire career was no. always having to look over his shoulder, was always yeah. having to be concerned about And what, I think that was a big mistake in, I mean, Obviously, it's it's easier to say that in hindsight, but yeah. I even remember like at the time, because okay, you go back at like the Montel Cozart, Ryan Willis. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Jake uh, Heap. Yeah, Jake Heaps. Like that was kind of rotation. Um, Chris, I think <laughs> briefly. Yeah, and, and then you, yeah, the, the Carter Stanley Peyton Bender one is, and you see what Carter Stanley did his final season, yeah. and you even saw like some individual games prior to that, like the Kansas State game or the Oklahoma State game where. You know, he put up big numbers, and even if it wasn't the best quarterback game in the Big 12, like compared to Kansas standards, it was one of the better ones we've seen. And then 
he just wouldn't be the starter or something that David Beatty like seemed to have like some vendetta or something against Carter Stanley and, and that was unfortunate because based on how good he was as a senior um I don't know you could have maybe got more years out of that or maybe he would have been even better if he had even more playing time leading up into that but you don't have to worry about that with this team anymore and, and if we go back to those Tyree Jackson comparisons Look at what the end result was there. I mean, you're talking yeah. about Tyree Jackson, his last two seasons at Buffalo, which really a season and a half because one of them he was kind of injured, 40 touchdown passes to 15 interceptions. So them sticking with him through that eight touchdown to eight interception season basically allowed them to groom him and, like you said, not really have to to worry about those external pressures or, or I don't know, I guess they'd be internal if it's team-related, that are going to allow him to progress and be the best version of himself he can be. And I love the potential that Jalen Daniels has. So if you're putting him in a stable situation that's going to allow for that to prosper, I don't know if it'll turn into everything you could want this season. It just might, based on the way he finished last year. But at the very least, you know because of that stability, even if he is just fine this year but has some struggles, he's going to continue on with that long enough leash that is going to allow him to prosper at some point, maybe next year and the year after. Yeah, just just one final thing. Is mm-hmm. I I agree with you, and for instance, if Jalen Daniels, 16 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, and KU goes 3-9, and nine, I think generally most people would be pretty satisfied with that, right? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call it like a... No, I it would call it like a success, but yeah. it's not a failure. It's yeah, it's, it's fine. Again, it's a, I think three and nine. I'm content. Like, right, three and nine. We describe it mm-hmm. as a mild success. Yeah. Right? So three and nine, and Jalen Daniels with 16 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. That's a mild success. But that 16 and 15 could turn into 24 and eight the next mm-hmm. year. You know, since he has all that playing time, all that experience. Right. Yeah. Uh, yep. I, I think that's exactly the way to look at it. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Matt Tate will join us in less than 15 minutes. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on. That time on a Tuesday, joined by Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com with Nick Springer, Derek Johnson here. We were talking earlier on in the show about how long of a leash does Jalen Daniels actually have? And that, you know, last season you look at it, Jason Bean, even though he eventually lost the job to Jalen, it was kind of because of injury that allowed Jalen to get in there. Um, We went back and looked at past seasons with Lance Leipold at Buffalo and Pretty much the same thing. Like the only times they had other quarterbacks go was because of injury. So, how long is the leash? Like, what would have to go wrong for Jalen, for Jason Bean to have that opportunity? Or is this different? Because I don't know. Based on everything we've heard about how well Jason Bean has been practicing, like, do maybe they make it a tighter leash here? What are kind of your thoughts on on that quarterback position and, and the length of the leash there? Uh, you know, I think it is. It is. A- fairly long leash. I, I think that, um, you know, I, I think he would have to really look bad. Let's, let's put it that way. I mean, I think he would have to, I think he would have to just be making mistake after mistake after mistake. And on top of that, have bad body language and, and just do things that aren't him. You know, uh, this is set up perfectly for Jalen to be who he is, which is a energetic, rah, rah, smiling all the time, leader, type of dude and and have guys follow that and follow him 
Um, and, and then also I think the offense is set up so well for him to be successful. I mean, you know, they're not asking him to go be Vince Young. Um, they're not asking him to go make plays down the field all game and, and win it with his arm. I mean, they're asking him to get the ball in the right spots, and a lot of times the right spot is in the – the gut of the running back standing next to or behind you. And, and so I, I, I would be really surprised if it fell apart like that. Um, but I, I think if it did, and, and over the course of maybe two, three, four weeks, um, then I think they would, they would absolutely have to consider doing something different, right? But even having said that, I, I, think, I think they're going to use Jason Bean somehow some way and um i don't know that that's necessarily a, a big secret i don't think that that's even a a, a knock on on jalen or anything i just think that they they like what they've got with bean and they like what they've got with with uh jalen and um sometimes when you like both you use both and and you know jalen's the quarterback he's he's the leader he, he's the guy that, that rallies dudes and guys will follow and and so that fits him very well, but but Bean's a weapon, and he can come in and use his speed and and his experience, and and you know do a little something with that from time to time or in certain packages. So I I think they're going to use both, um, and and because of that, I think that the leash is probably real long, right? Like you're you're not you're not looking to maybe have Bean be the guy. You, you want to use him in those situational packages and and, and in in those. Uh, moments of the game where where it fits the flow and, and fits the script and all that stuff, you know. So if you go to him because you have a short leash on Jalen, then that's all gone, and um, it's hard to go back from that. So I, I think his leash is pretty long, partly because he's earned it, but also because maybe uh, of the big picture of what they want this offense to be. Just just hypothetically, like if, if this were to be a situation. Kansas is facing like a I don't know third and third and six something like that. It's overtime. You're tied. Let's say I don't know twenty twenty to uh, I don't know somebody like Nichols State something like that. And you decide to bring in your backup quarterback for the biggest play of the game. Do you think they'd do something like that? Um, <laughs> man, it's so hard when you put the overtime caveat on there. You know, it's like. Uh, <laughs> I don't. Uh, you could ask every offensive coach in that building the, that mm. question, and I don't know that they would give you the same answer, and I don't know that they would even want to answer. I mean, I didn't want to, and I've got no stake in it. So, um, sure, you know, I mean, I think anything's possible. At that point, what are you trying to do? Win the damn game, right? So that's <laughs> if they, if they thought putting Kenny Logan at quarterback in, the, in that moment, third and six, would help go get the win, right? So, um, I, I, yeah, I think. It's obvious why the quarterback matters. It's obvious why we write about it. It's obvious why that's that's the million dollar smile and face and name and you know or billion or whatever it is nowadays. But you know it it still is just one part of the the equation. And and I think they feel really good about both of their guys. And and um, obviously there was a lot of talk this this camp about you know. Moving Bean, right? Everybody wants to know: Could he be a receiver? Could he be a receiver? Everybody, including me. I mean, I've I've wondered that since the end of last year, and and the fact that they haven't done it, or at least aren't telling us if they have, but I don't think they have. Um, the fact that they haven't done that just tells you all you need to know about the position. They like them both. They feel good about it. They 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 like the idea of knowing that if one guy goes down, um, y- you're okay. It's not 
season over, right? And and I actually talked to Jalen at Media Day about the, that that very thing because you remember probably, and and a lot of people listening might too. Um, last year, you know, it was a three way battle with Bean and Kendrick and, and Jalen Daniels, and and uh, it was still undecided till the very end. And at Media Day last year, I remember asking, you know, Jalen what it would mean to him to to be named the starter and. I mean, he flat out said it, you know, it, it would mean the world. Of course, that's what I want. He said, but if if putting somebody else as the starting quarterback is best for this team, then I don't want to be the starter. Like, I just want this team to win. And, um, you know, that stuck with me. That says everything about the kid's character and what he's here for and what he's about. And, and so I brought that up with him the other day at, at Media Day this year. And, and you know, he, he, he didn't say the exact same thing because he's – it seems as if he's pretty much already won the job, and so it's a little bit different scenario now than it was last year. But, but he did say, like, hey, if I just don't have it that night and I've thrown three picks in the first half and my energy's down, I, I absolutely want him to go to somebody else because we should try something else. You know, and so, uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm sure people would argue both sides of whether that's good or bad and, and if that's what you want in the, in the quarterback position, but – I think that's what you want in a competitor. I think that's what you want in a player, regardless of position. And and uh, I think that's what this team is full of: is guys that are willing to to put themselves and and their own gain aside for just can we freaking win finally? Can we just win games? And you know, I still think they have a long road to go um, before that happens. I think it's going to be an uphill climb, and and I don't think wins are going to be readily available this year. But I do think that when you have a roster full of those types of players, you can see them in the future. You can see how you're closing in on, on putting a few more W's in your pocket. And, and obviously that's where they have to head. So, um, you know, that is just one position and it is just, just a, a small glimpse into what the whole team's about. But if they have that at every position, they're, they're, they're definitely better off than, than they have been in a long, long time. Well, I feel silly because you definitely did not pick up on my reference there. Oh crap! <laughs> <laughs> this is a great answer, though. It's a great answer. So, yeah. um, uh, you know, what I the, usually do. Dude. I know, I'm, right? I'm good at that. I'm do, good at those. Yeah. Do you know what it. I'm referring to now? I don't. Still, I don't. Still, I, you know what? <laughs> to be honest, I talked so long there that I forgot what you even said. It's a, it's a problem I have. Everybody listening knows that. So, uh, <laughs> no, it's a great answer. You can fill me in, though. I'm in. Let's try it again. Yeah. Uh, 2018 Nickel State game. Kansas uh, puts in Miles Kendrick, who hadn't played in like two hours. Oh, for on God's third and sake! Six. Yeah. 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 I do remember that now. <laughs> if you know, maybe they were just maybe they were just getting him ready to freaking spike the ball you know when they needed to yeah uh, I, well that, we know that's that been, been a problem great. in the past montel right. cozart fumbles on the the spiked ball it's all sorts of sad, all sorts of great uh yeah past, i forgot past all numbers. about that i'll be dead honest i would not have picked up on that because i forgot all about that and i as everybody knows man you too i i have seen so much mm-hmm. bad football that that usually i can catalog it all i mean i can tell you specific games specific moments specific breakdowns terrible this terrible that i mean there's been so much of it and i've written so much of it but you know that one i i i uh i remember remember well now but i i had put it out of my mind for sure because that made no freaking sense now i'm just upset god darn it that was so 
stupid. What a weird thing. And for people making millions of dollars to make those decisions, come on. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, moving on. Um, you know, we, we often look at how many games can KU be competitive in, and I, I think the natural reaction to that is that if you're in competitive games, if you have more of those coin flip games, I think sometimes we think of them as 50-50 games, right? Um, but we know, especially from like the opposite side of things, watching KU basketball, it could be a 50-50 game, but if you have more talent, if you have those dudes on your team, if you have Bill Self coaching you, you're going to win more of the 50-50 games than the other way around. And for so many years with KU football, even the games that they are competitive in, which to be clear, I think a lot of fans like, you know, that is the first step. It's we want to see them be competitive in all these games. But for you to be a more successful program, I, I think you need to start winning more of these 50-50 games because it seems like in years past, like I was going through it and you look and they might have four or five competitive games. They might have won zero or one of them. So they're not getting close to even the 50-50 mark in that regard how much do you think Lance Leipold gives KU that edge back how much do you think having reasonable quarterback play which you seem to have with Jalen Daniels gives them that ability that if they do have let's say seven or eight coin flip games or seven or eight competitive games so to speak this season that they can be more respectable and possibly win closer to 50 percent of those I think they can, and I, I, I think that's right. I think it's a confidence thing. I think it's a belief thing. I think it's our head coach knows what he's doing. Our quarterback knows what he's doing. We, we're happy to follow him. We're And, and it's not just that. It's Mike Nowitzki knows what he's doing, right? It's Kenny Logan knows what he's doing. I mean, it, it really is. Um, throughout this roster, there's a lot of guys, even even the transfers, even the new guys that, that have done it at Purdue and Michigan State and, and Central Florida and places that win football games, right? Like that, that uh, those guys know what they're doing, and there's a belief and a confidence there. So I, I do think, um, you know, I'm not I'm not going to predict a high win total. I think we might have talked about this last week. I, you know, I'm I'm debating right now two or three um, before I make a, a final call and. And I, I probably more often than not lean toward two, to be honest. Um, but but having said that, I, I do think that if they can get in those games and and be more competitive and have the like you said the coin flip type of moments, I think they'll win more of them. I I, I really do. I, I think that um, there's just a new uh, a newfound confidence and and um, you know I've always said I've always said that 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 teams have to get close. Or, or get there and, and taste defeat before they win. And, and, you know, more often than not, that, that applies to the, the Super Bowl or, or the Final Four or something like that, right? I, I, I mean, I, I'll be honest. I was shocked the Chiefs won their Super Bowl because I thought they would have to get there and lose it first um, to, to kind of feel that and then use that as fuel to get back and, and then win one. But, um you know, maybe that's just the Broncos fan in me. When you lose a bunch of Super Bowls, that's how that's how you justify it. But um, but but I still think there's there's something to that. And so, if you look at last year and and you look at that Oklahoma game or those two games late against West Virginia and TCU and 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 you you consider that hey, you getting close, right? Then maybe now it does flip. Maybe, you know, they got they got close, man. That right, that Oklahoma game, it was there for the taking. And, um, you know, that doesn't happen for, for most teams very often against OU. So 
they tasted that, and and they they made some mistakes, and Oklahoma made some plays too. I mean, it, you know, it went both ways, but um, but but that's fresh in their minds, and and so if you can get to the brink, and and feel what it feels like to not finish or to to not come up on the side you want to come up on. I think that can fuel you. Uh, I think it probably did throughout this preseason and offseason, but I also think it can help you in that moment when you get back to it and you remember, okay, well, this is this and this is this, and we can't let that happen again. Let's go finish. And, you know, that, that's all very simplistic, I know, but um, but but I do think it is a factor. And, and, look, like, as much as it's weird to say, in those types of games, there is a small element of, of advantage that goes Kansas's way because we are still at the point where none of these teams in the Big 12 or really anybody on the schedule outside of Tennessee Tech probably none of these teams want to be the team that loses to Kansas. So if you get a tight game and you get to the fourth quarter and it's close or it's overtime and there's that extra pressure of crap man we could lose to Kansas if we don't finish this out. That, that some some teams don't get shaken by that and others might. So it's it's not a big part of the equation. I wouldn't factor it in with with analytics as a huge determinant of the outcome or anything like that. But I do think it's at, at in play, and and I think it it does it does factor in a little bit. So you know, I I do think, and 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 that's part of the reason I think if you said you know like you said if they can play six seven eight of these coin flip type games, I do think they'll win their share of them um, this year. But um, are, are they there yet? That's the question for me. That's why I'm debating on the, the two or three wins, because the question is, are they there yet? Uh, if they are, then it's going to be a great year. People are going to have a lot of fun. And, and even if that only means four and eight, it'll still be a lot of fun. But if they're not there, it, it, it could very well mean two, you know. And, and and it all points for me, it all points to next season. And I know that sucks to say at the outset of a of a brand-new season, but I think that this is another year of building and, and setting the deck and just seeing how how you progress and how things improve. And then next year you can you can have real expectations. Um, and, and, and people should and coaches and players should feel that. We're talking with Matt Tate, Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com here on RCST. Uh, before we let you go here, Ryan lost last week, Ryan Goodwin in trivia. He goes again today. He has to win to stay alive to win the division. If he does win, though, he clinches the division. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Do you feel like it is just setting up for him to have a letdown? Are you still a believer that he can come through? Um. Man, it's tough, right? Because it kind of falls into that category of what we just talked about. Does he have to get to the brink mm. and feel failure and then spend the entire offseason, you know, studying and getting better and improving and being driven to get back and, and actually get over the hump? So, um, you know, his, his name's obviously Ryan Goodwin. And, and for a lot of years, a lot of people we went to high school with would instead of good win, they would call him bad lose. And it makes sense, right? I mean, you know, uh, he's just known as Goody and a bunch of other things we can't say on the radio to to most of us. But a handful of people like that bad lose thing. So um, that makes me nervous for him. Um, I, I think he's a gamer. He's tough. He's from Lawrence. I mean, he, you know, he, he, he knows how to compete. Um, but he also has shown in, in certain moments 
um, that, that he can shrink in the moment and get a little bit rattled by the, the, the stakes. And, and so I'm, I'm nervous for him. I've, I've had confidence in him throughout and, uh, you know, I, I, I believe in him all the way. I, I thought he was locked in as the preseason favorite. I think that was the right move. And, and, you know, um, he, he's let a few people down by that. So I, I, I am nervous today for him. And, and, you know, I, I'll tell you two things. Number one, I've always known jersey numbers are a weakness for him. Like, he just can't, I mean, which is weird because this is the kind of guy that, you know, grew up well wearing John Elway jerseys and Ashiki Preston <laughs> jerseys and uh, Mike Norseth jerseys. And, and uh, you know, it was always, you know, had to be number five on all the teams we played on because, gosh, he loved George Brett so much. Mm. So you would think that the jerseys would be automatic for him. Like, just, you know, one of those guys that could name off every baseball player to everywhere number seven you know or whatever but but he's not and and so that makes me nervous so if uh if he avoids those categories i think you know just trivia true trivia like like this happened historic trivia i I think he'll be fine but but i am nervous and and you know there are a couple other categories he said too before that that sort of that that 2010s era well, you know, post Orange Bowl, um, maybe even up to now, kind of thing is is kind of a weak spot, a blind spot, if you will, for him. And uh, he's far better at things that happen in the freaking, you know, pre Glenn Mason era and stuff like that. So I don't know why he's he's not that old, but um, but that's always been his 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 wheelhouse. And and so those are two things to watch out for. And I mean, I know the uh, opponent can't really scout and can't can't manipulate it, but boy. Um, those are things that make me make me nervous for him. So I, I don't know. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna support him, win or lose, and you know that's my guy. But at the same time, I for the first time throughout this tournament, I I feel like he's in trouble today, and I hope I'm wrong. He is Matt Tate. Check out his work, KUSports.com, and in the LJ world. Matt, appreciate the time as always, man. All right, Derek. Thanks, man. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. All right, that's Matt Tate, KUSports.com. This is RCST. One hour down, two to go. Let's get to that trivia matchup next. We've got just one RCST trivia matchup for today. Once again, we are brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Johnny's Tavern, and Jayhawk Trophy. We have our bowl games and our playoffs starting next week. We have some prizes to give away as part of those. All bowl participants are going to earn some sort of prizes. And then if you win a bowl, you're going to get even more prizes. If you win the playoff, you get even more prizes. Some of those prizes include engraved tumblers from Jayhawk Trophy. A championship trophy, if you win it all, obviously. Some KU gear via 23rd Street Brewery and Matt Llewellyn over there for if you win it all. 23rd Street Brewery gift cards for making it to your bowl game and more for winning your bowl game. Johnny's Tavern gift cards for making it to your bowl game and more for winning your bowl game. Lots on the line, and that includes with our lone matchup today. Our second matchup from today had to be rescheduled to Friday, so we won't totally know the answer for everything that happens in this tight Tuesday division. Until then, we had to uh, record this, by the way, via Zoom. We were having some technical difficulties in the studio, so apologies if the audio doesn't sound as as great as normal. But let's get into our first trivia matchup and our lone trivia matchup of the day in the Tuesday division, a top 10 matchup between 8th-ranked Ryan Goodwin and 5th-ranked Justin so Nichols. Justin moving up all the way to number 5 in the rankings. Ryan dropping a few more spots to number 8 after... He was maybe unjustly moved from number one to number six. And we currently have a three-way tie in this Tuesday group. Justin, Blake, who's going to go on Friday. Ryan, uh, 
all at two and one right now. Currently, Blake has the most points with 56, but Ryan has the head-to-head over Blake. And then Justin lost to Blake. He has 50 points. Ryan has 41, 62, though, if you counted overtime as well. So a lot can be decided uh, based on this matchup here today. It might not decide everything. Justin, if you win this matchup, then you're going to be awaiting on Blake's matchup Friday, and you're going to be rooting for Ryan Schlesner because you would, with a win today, you would need Ryan Schlesner to beat him so that you could win the division and move on to the playoff. But, Justin, if you win this matchup, even if you don't win the division, if Blake wins Friday, you could still get a bowl bid, and that would be secured with a win today. Ryan, you, on the other hand, if you come away with the victory today, you would clinch the division because you do have the head-to-head over Blake, so you wouldn't really have to wait as long into that, and then we would be waiting to try to figure out the other spot. If either one of you loses, I don't know. I think things could maybe get a little weird for maybe the second spot if Blake were to lose as well. So uh, we'll kind of wait and see on that. But nonetheless, a chance to go to the playoff is possibly on the line for both you guys here in this matchup. So, Justin, starting with you, um, I believe you had a bye week last week. What are your thoughts? Do you feel uh, ready to go here for this big matchup? I actually, I, I, I think you're being rude to my opponent last week by saying he was a buy, but, um, I'm sorry, but it was week before, wasn't it? It was, uh, but, but no, I, I, I'm feeling okay. I'm ready to go, uh, ready as I'm going to be. And, you know, we'll, we'll see. I know Ryan's, Ryan's good. So, uh, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, that's right. You took on the other Ryan. So going for the Ryan two-step here, I mixed up my weeks. Uh, Ryan, meanwhile, you had the loss last week and it wouldn't have, it would have changed a little. Like if you were three and zero here, you still would probably have to win this game to, to clinch everything. So from that standpoint, it doesn't change up much, but what it did do is it possibly gets rid of some possible fallback. Cause you could have lost today if you would have won last week. And maybe if you had the right amount of points, you could have won that tiebreaker. But again, Either way, it just becomes easier if you win this matchup. So uh, did that help at all? Did that reset? And has that changed your mentality about how you would approach overtime if this one goes into OT? Uh, What's kind of weird is, like, I'd already had a game plan all along for overtime. And, uh, you know, normally I'm really good on the seven-point questions. Hopefully I'm not jinxing myself today. But when I happen to miss that one, it it, it kind of, (laughs) lack of better terms, I I started playing soft. And and instead of just – do what I need to do and right away go for the hard and, and get out with the victory. You know, I, I started trying to wait for him to make the mistake and then I made the mistake. Um, and, and you can't, it's, it's no knock on Brad, but I, you know, I, I think I've shown, I, I, on a week to week, typically I'm better, you know, I think I've done better than he has. And I, you can't let your underdog hang around, you know, if you're, the, if you're the alleged favorite, but I guess I proved the pollsters right for taking me out of number one. So they look pretty smart. <laughs> I guess so. Well, guys, uh, you ready to get rolling here into this pretty big matchup to close out the regular season? Let's do it. All right. Well, um, as I discussed on yesterday's show, somebody took my coin for some reason. So I have a coin app with heads or tails on it. And uh, Justin, you're the higher ranked team, so I'll just let you have the, uh, the coin toss here. Do you want heads or tails? Heads. It is tails. So that means Ryan... You now have the option. Do you want to go first or do you want to go second? I'm going to go first. Okay. Ryan's first up. Justin's second up. Two top 10 teams, both two and one. Chance to win the division or clinch a bowl berth. 
depending on who comes away with the victory. We'll start the easy round of questions. These are worth three points in the first quarter. This for you, Ryan. Kansas had a second team AP All-American in 2018 who played linebacker and is a local kid. What's his name? 2018? Yep, 2018 local kid, second team All-American linebacker. Joe Deneen. That's right, Joe Deneen, the correct answer there. Of course, KU's had a couple really good linebackers in recent memory. And Joe Denine is certainly one of them. Okay, Justin, for you, as Ryan's on the board with three points. Kansas had a second team FWAA All-American in 2018. He played running back and is from Louisiana. What's his name? Luca Williams. Luca Williams, the correct answer. Maybe that should be a trivia question because I actually, I now that I think about it, I don't know the answer to this. What is Puka Williams' actual first name? Is it Puka? Is it something Anthony? else? Anthony. I think Anthony, if I remember right. That sounds right. That sounds right. Do I get Bonus. extra points for that? Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I, you get you get street cred from me. Um, yeah. know, maybe maybe that'll be bonus points for Scott Chase and Heisman voting, which uh, <laughs> I think you're in the top five there. So maybe that'll help you out with the, the swag meter on those questions. Okay, into the medium round, three to three, the score. These are worth six points in the second quarter. Ryan, for you, Kansas has two players set to wear the number 11 jersey here in 2022. One's a receiver, one is a defensive tackle. Name one of the two. Ten seconds. I'll go Caleb Sampson as the D tackle. I know it's wrong. That is wrong. The correct answer is Eddie Wilson for the D tackle, the transfer from Buffalo. The receiver is Luke Grimm. All right. Chance for you to take the lead here, Justin. Kansas has two players set to wear the number 19 in 2022. One's a receiver, one's a linebacker. Name one of them. Stephen McBride. Stephen McBride is the correct answer receiver. The other one is Gavin Potter, the linebacker there. Okay, nine to three. Justin, you have taken a halftime lead. Ryan, you're gonna have to pull the comeback here. We move on into the hard round of things. Third quarter, this is worth seven points. Ryan. The last time Kansas gave up 70 or more points in a game came in 2011 when they gave up 70 against who? I believe that was Oklahoma. Oh, you were so close. Correct answer is Oklahoma State. I thought you had it there when you said Oklahoma. Is Oklahoma State the correct answer there? All right, so Justin, you have a chance to clinch the win right here and clinch at least a bull berth. The last time Kansas gave up 400 or more rushing yards in a game was in 2015 against who? Oh, 2015, that's, uh, that was Oklahoma. It was not Oklahoma. It did happen against Oklahoma, but the most recent time was West Virginia. West Virginia, the correct answer there. So a couple Oklahomas and Ryan 
breathe a sigh of relief. But now it all comes down to the really hard round. And Ryan, you have to answer this for a chance to win this matchup. Ryan, what 1942 Jayhawk set the school record at KU for most interceptions in one season with 10 of them? Ray Evans. Ray Evans is the correct answer. Alzheimer at KU, 10 interceptions. You're a two-way player. He got 10 interceptions as well. And you take an 11 to nine lead and nail it really hard. So now Justin, pressure is on you. You got to answer this to pull away of the victory. In 1951, another Jayhawk tied that record with 10 interceptions in a single season. What's the name of that player? Um, what year was it? 1951, and you got 10 seconds. Is it like Koenig? Throw something out there. Koenig? Koenig is the correct answer. John Koenig at the buzzer for Justin Nichols to come away with the victory. And that also, Justin, you have now answered three really hards, which is more than anyone in the competition. Oh my goodness. I I mean, this is gut-wrenching. Ryan, I, I feel like you probably feel like you had the victory there. Uh, so uh, I hate to put the microphone in front of after a tough event here, but Ryan, thoughts on, on what came down today? Uh, just... Yeah, it's you. You can't miss a six pointer. Um, that, that's just the bottom line. It, you know, I put myself, you know, out there again, and you know, it's. Uh, I thought I thought I'd hit some of my weak spots, and you hit me on another one. And uh, unfortunately, I just blanked on on number eleven, and I'm really kicking myself for not remembering Luke Grimm. So, it is what it is. Yeah, the the Eddie Wilson one. That one would be a little harder. The Luke Grimm is, I think, the one that that you're going to be kicking yourself over, Justin. If you would have got, because I guess in the end, the medium round was what decided things, if you look at it that way. Um, if you would have got the number 11 question as opposed to the number 19, would you have still hit that? Yeah, I had Luke Grimm, yeah, on that one. Um, it, you happened to ask one of the uh, two of the numbers that I actually know players, but there would have been a lot that I would have been completely screwed if you'd asked me about their numbers. So that, that, was, that I just got lucky on that. Well, uh, if the, the really hard round, how did you know John Koenig? Did you study the media guide at all or, or what I, came up? I did. I was actually, believe it or not, I was looking at it just like right before we got on. And I was trying to remember there were two dudes that were from the 50s um, that had interceptions. There was a guy that was named Koenig and a guy that was named, I think, Clevenger. Um, and I was trying to remember which one was the season and which one was the all-time um, and I couldn't, I, I, I just got lucky, I guess the right one, but, uh, I, and literally I spent like 10 minutes before we got on interceptions and punt returns were like the things that I was looking at today. So I just got lucky. Well, guys, uh, you know, both of you put together fantastic seasons, Ryan. Um, I mean, yeah, you still have a chance to make a bowl game, Ryan. You just got, if, uh, I believe if Blake gets upset by Ryan, you would be in a three-way tie amongst two and two teams. And then it could just come down to total points between you and Blake. So uh, I, I guess you might still have a chance there, although Blake's probably going to need a low scoring week for that to happen. But 
You're still possibly alive, but either way, take solace. You had a strong season and everything. I know it didn't finish the way you wanted. Justin, congrats. You're either going to a bowl game or going to the playoff. Thank you. Derek, if I could for one second, since I know this is going to be my last week because Blake's going to win on Friday. He, he, he's really good. Uh, I just want to say to all the KU football fans out there, get out there this year, okay? Get out, support them in all the home games. Don't be that bandwagon jumper that waits till we get good, waits till we go 3-0 and after we upset West Virginia and Houston. <laughs> there's, there's six wins in this schedule. Everybody needs to get behind these guys. Coach Leipold, Coach Koldnicki, Coach Borland, all the guys. Uh, they've got this thing rolling. The lights at the end of the tunnel. Go support these guys this year. Cosign everything he just said. I'm 100% on board with that and can't wait. Can't wait for the season to get started. 12 days. Awesome. Well, if I see you guys at the game on uh, next Friday, maybe I'll buy you guys a beer. Good work once again. Appreciate it, Derek. Thanks, Derek. Unbelievable matchup there. Um, I, I'm sure. I, I don't know what, what Ryan's going to feel worse about now. Is it going to be feeling worse about the, the Brad matchup and, and how that went down? Because if he wins that matchup, then right now he's sitting at 3-1, and one, Justin's at 3-1, and one, and Blake would have a chance to tie them at 3-1. and one. But I, I think even if that did happen, because he scored 11 today, that Ryan's total points would be at 52, Justin's would be at 67. So I guess even if he did beat Brad last week, he wouldn't have – had the tiebreaker over um, Justin either losing head-to-head or if Blake ends up winning to make it a three-way tie, he wouldn't have the the tiebreaker over Justin to get the points. What it does do, though, by losing last week to Brad, that becomes the difference of why Ryan might not make a bowl game now. And I think actually, yeah, I was saying to him that there's a chance he could still make a bowl game if there's a three-way tie of two and two teams. But now that I look at it uh, with 52 total points, Blake has 56 right now. So I think if there's a three-way tie with Blake, Brad, and Brad and Ryan where they all kind of beat each other once, I believe that would go to Blake. So that's unfortunate that the Brad matchup in the overtime keeps Ryan away from a bowl game. But, yeah, it wouldn't have kept him out of the playoffs. So now Justin is either going to go to a bowl game or he's going to play in the playoff based on what happens with Blake. I, I would just say this, like, I know we made it clear criteria. If you win your division, you make the playoff. And and maybe next year we'll expand the playoff to eight teams where we do the top two and each make the playoff, and then we do maybe third place next year. Gets to go to a bowl game as well. Like, we'll try to grow it a little bit next year. Um, but, like, if you had a situation where, you know, every so often, it seems like every other year or something like that, the SEC gets two teams into the college football playoff. Like, this past year, you had Alabama and Georgia, right? I think that if you were doing it based on, well, who do we just think are the top four teams and we didn't have the guidelines of you win your division, you're in. I think Justin and Blake, assuming that Blake wins on Friday, would both be playoff teams just from that standpoint. They both seem like top four teams. And Justin, you know, even if he doesn't make the playoff and Blake wins, even if Justin goes to a good bowl game, he's not just got the opportunity to win some prizes and and win that bowl game and everything and maybe be the highest ranked team who you know wins a bowl game or whatnot. I don't know. Maybe we could have, you know, at the end of the year, we used to have in the old AP poll, like a team could win the BCS title, but somebody else could be voted number one. Like what happened in, I want to say it was 03 with like USC. So maybe that could still happen with Justin. I, I think that'd be interesting. But also, he's still in the running for Heisman. He was top five coming into this week. He now has the most really hard correct answers with three of them. He had the the swag early knowing of Puka Williams' real name. I think uh, Scott's got to pay attention to that. I think Justin... Deserves to move up the Heisman rankings 
coming into the end of the regular season. I also don't know, I haven't talked about this with Scott, whether we're going to do the Heisman, you know, because in, in college football, the Heisman happens at the end of the regular season, but before bowl games. So technically, we should do it after this week. But also, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm kind of a proponent of if you're going to make the bowl game stats count, why should that not matter to the Heisman? But also, if you do that, is it just going to be the people who make the college football playoff who win the Heisman? Counterpoint, everyone except Lamar Jackson, who has won the Heisman, has been on a playoff team since the playoff started. So uh, there's a little internal debate I'm having in my own head. So not sure what exactly we'll do there. But really fun matchup. Two really hard answers correctly given there. I don't know, maybe even Ryan could have an opportunity at the Heisman because he got the really hard one correct as well. Looking forward to uh, two more matchups coming up tomorrow. We'll move on to the Wednesday division. We are going to have Chris Yurchek uh, facing off with Keegan Russell and then Kyle Coffey, our number one team. Will he stay undefeated? Just one of two undefeateds. He'll be taking on Andrew Filer, who will be looking to score a senior day upset. And Kyle's got the number one seed secured in the Wednesday group. Everything else is up for grabs. All other teams have exactly two losses. It could get really weird with some tiebreakers and figuring out who's going to make the bowl game, who's going to get the automatic berth in next year's trivia, because if you finish top three, you get that as well. This is RCST Trivia. Once again, we are brought to you by Johnny's Tavern, Jayhawk Trophy, and 23rd Street Brewery. I'm Derek Johnson with Nick Springer. We'll be back after this timeout. Kevin Flaherty going to join us in a little bit here in the 4 o'clock hour on Rock Truck Sports Talk. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Derek Johnson with Nick Springer. Joined now on a Tuesday by Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports, CBS Sports, here on RCST. College football starts up on Saturday. We were looking at the slate. It's not the best slate in Week 0. Is there a game you're most excited for? Are you just happy to have football back? Or uh, is this a little bit of a snooze fest for you in Week 0? You know, it's a little bit of both. Obviously, okay. <laughs> the the schedule isn't isn't terrific, but you know, you, anytime you can wake up and, and have that, you know, the Nebraska Northwestern game where you've got two Power Five teams matching up, you know, it, it's it's going to feel like all is right in the world again because we've got college football on Saturday. There are a couple like kind of low key games I think Derek that are are interesting. I know people will be like, "What is he talking about with this next one?" But you know, Duquesne goes to Florida State, and I, I think I think that's actually kind of interesting because Florida State lost to Jacksonville State mm. last year, and that was a Jacksonville State that not a lot of people realized went on to go like five and six. So it was not a, a good FCS team, and Duquesne is is usually among the better teams in that conference. I think they went 7-3 and three last year. They did beat Ohio last year. They lost to TCU, but they bring back some guys. They've got, you know, a, a couple big, you know, FBS transfers. I'm not saying Duquesne's going to win that game, but as we all know, weird things can happen in season openers when you look at the way that things went for that Florida State team. Uh, I think they're going to make for an interesting watch. And, and Duquesne is maybe just good enough that if Florida State, you know, kind of sleepwalks through that one, it, it could make things a, a little bit interesting. Other, other than that, though, I, I don't think there's a ton that, that really jump out. Vanderbilt at Hawaii is is kind of, you know, 
a game for us sickos who love college football to, to stay up that late and, and watch that kind of game. But, uh, but at the same time, I think that's something I probably will be up watching. So, mm, Love it. Um, okay, so the Big 12 season, I, I figure we can start doing our Big 12 preview now. I, I know we've you know talked about a lot of stuff here. But let's say you can only go to three Big 12 games this season. No more, no Ooh. less. What games are you choosing? This is going to sound just totally crazy for this pick because I think we all know the way that it's going to go. But I also think it, it may answer a few questions. Is Alabama at Texas? You know, I, I think that that's one. It's so early in the season. Alabama, you're you're looking at obviously as the national title favorite this year. I'm not saying Texas is in that discussion, but I do think that there's a chance there, Derek, there, there's kind of a middle road, right? Like, you don't expect Texas to win. You don't even really expect Texas to compete. But there's kind of like a, a little midway path there where you say, if Texas only loses by 17 or so, you know, maybe, maybe this is, is a Texas team that has it a little bit more together uh, than, than we would have thought. Every, every, every year, uh, I'll pick Red River. You know, I, I got a chance to cover that game, you know, four different times when I was down covering Texas and, and you know, having the state fair there, the rivalries, the stadium filled up, the Cotton Bowl with, you know, half and half. It, it was, it, it, it was just such a cool experience and, and something that goes even beyond, you know, what happens on the field. And after that, I, I think I'm going to go with another Oklahoma game, and that I think that Baylor at Oklahoma game gets really, really interesting. In that, when it happens late in the season, I think both Baylor and Oklahoma are teams that you look at going into the season, where you say, "Hey, these are two teams that should be better in November and December than they are at the start of the year." And I also think that that could wind up being maybe a Big 12 title game preview. And so just off the top of my head, I think those would be the three that uh, that I would pick. Well, you just answered sort of my next question. I was going to ask you, who do you have in the Big 12 title game? Who do you have to win it? So I'll give a little bit of a variation to that. If you had to pick a, a dark horse team to make it to the Big 12 title game, who would be the pick to take on, uh, I guess, the other team in that situation? Yeah, it, it's kind of funny because uh, I think Oklahoma State is sitting there as a team that we feel like is is pretty good, but nobody really wants to put in the Big 12 title game. Um, and, and I I can kind of see why you know you lose Jim Knowles, who is such a huge part of their defense last year. I don't know that a lot of people, you know, sort of outside of Stillwater, realize that that was a top five defense in, in efficiency metrics nationally. And, you know, to lose your coordinator to Ohio State in that way, you're depending on Spencer Sanders to do an awful lot. And there's kind of a feeling, correctly or incorrectly, that he kind of is what he is at this point. And I think I'm not picking Oklahoma State, but I, I brought that up to say that I think Kansas State would maybe be that dark horse pick because of the way I feel about Oklahoma State. You know, you look at the fact that. There's a lot of star power there. When you look at Deuce Vaughn, when you look at uh, Felix Anadike Zoma on the defensive side, when you look at, at Martinez coming in at quarterback, 
I think one of the things that's going to be really interesting is we were all around, obviously, when Colin Klein played, and we saw the way they kind of used him as a, a battering ram in the running game, and he was getting, you know, 20 carries, 25 carries every game. And I know that one of the concerns with Martinez is he has turned the ball over a little bit too much at times. And so if he does struggle early with turnovers, I'll also be really interested to see how Klein adjusts for that. Is it the sort of thing where where they kind of say, you know what, we've we've got some defensive pieces, Let, let's go ahead and and just run the absolute heck out of the ball, and, and Martinez isn't going to be asked to throw it unless we really need to. I, I think there are some, some interesting questions there, and the fact that you know nobody has played Oklahoma as well over the last three or four years as Kansas State has, and with that game being in September, there's a chance that Kansas State could win in Norman Come out of that game, you know, sitting four and zero and looking just really, really good and full of confidence. Where you're looking at them and saying, "Okay, they're they're set up to make a run to that Big Twelve title game." With the lack of returning proven guys at quarterback, and yeah, like Dylan Gabriel does have proven stats and everything at, at UCF, but just in terms of Big Twelve guys, right, like. Uh, you go down the list, like Adrian Martinez comes over from another school. Dylan Gabriel, same thing. Um, you look at Spencer Sanders, and there have been a lot of ups and downs with Spencer Sanders. I mean, he led the Big 12 in interceptions last year, as, as many other good things that he does. Baylor's starting quarterback Jerry Bohannon transferred away. You go on and on down the list, and there is no, you know, we're, we're not in uh, 2008 when you have Chase Daniel, Sam Bradford, Colt McCoy, Todd Reese, and all these guys, right? Do you think that is going to lend itself to more chaos in the conference, or do you think that is going to lend itself to that whatever team just has, I guess, the best defense or the best other things is going to be able to dominate because there isn't that clear-cut quarterback that can maybe equalize the the playing field for another school? Well, it's funny just to go off topic really quick. You know, every every single year I ask fans, you know, if you could take one guy – from your school's history and put him on your current team, who would it be? And a lot of people said for Kansas, it would be Todd Reesing because, you know, with quarterback not necessarily being an issue for Kansas with Jalen Daniels coming back, it's still the position where you could feasibly add the most wins by having elite play at that position. And a K-State fan, of course, pretty quickly hopped into my mentions and said, Todd Reesing is not an elite quarterback. And, <laughs> you, know, le- le- you know, leaving that at the door and who it came from it and all of those things, I do think my response was, was heading into this season with what's returning in the Big 12, Todd Reesing would be your no-doubt QB1A, mm-hmm. 1B, 1C. I mean, it wouldn't even be close. Whereas when he played, obviously, you had so many different guys who were Heisman Trophy candidates and Heisman Trophy winners and all of those different things. And so it is different. And I do think that that's going to add more of a wild card element. And I think, too, Derek, there's a little bit of a difference because even the guys that you like that you think, hey, this guy could be a really good quarterback this year. Like TCU's Chandler Morris is a guy that I think, you know, with them running the air raid with with Sonny Dykes could wind up being a, a pretty good guy. They aren't necessarily NFL guys, right? Like there's not necessarily guys that you're looking at it and saying with the 
with the possible exception of, of Quinn Ewers. And even then, you know, from a talent standpoint, yes, it's there. But from a proven production standpoint, it certainly isn't. And so I do expect it to be one of those things where you could be a, a top three team in the Big 12 and maybe you lose a game or two because your quarterback isn't playing well that game and the other team's quarterback happens to rise up and play well on that day. And so I do expect more madness and more chaos because of sort of the struggles or or at least the, the uncertain element at that position right now. We're talking with Kevin Flaherty here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. If you were picking a team from Big 12 players, so it's like the NFL draft, but it is for college football, so it's not for the NFL game, and you your, your player pool is everyone in the Big 12, who would be in discussion for you as your first pick overall in the Big 12, uh, and who would you end up taking? You know, it, it might be Anadike Uzoma, Uzoma, excuse me, because I think when you look at, at the top of a draft, right, you either want somebody who is going to throw the ball, protect the guy throwing the ball, or get after the guy who's throwing the ball. You know, that's that's generally been the way that those have gone. You can find good wide receivers kind of throughout the conference. You can find, I don't know that the gap right now between whoever your quarterback one choice is and quarterback six is that big this year. Running backs, there's a lot of really good running backs in the conference. I saw somebody write today that Texas Tech's running back duo could be as good as anybody in the conference. And you look at it and you say, well, okay, there's there's a lot of really good running backs and running back duos in the conference. And so I think at that point you go for the best pass rusher. And whether that's Enadike Zoma, whether that's Will McDonald at, at Iowa State, I think it's probably Enadike Zoma at this point, but McDonald is, is maybe the more physically gifted or, or talented guy. So it would probably be one of those two, I would say. Well, if if you're talking about pass rusher, I'd be curious how far down that list would you have to go to get to Lonnie Phelps, and would he be the first KU guy that you think would get taken for that reason? Would it be Kenny Logan? Where do you think a KU player would go? Yeah, if you're if you're drafting it and you're putting you know emphasis on it the way that the NFL does, it, it does make for an interesting discussion because Jalen Daniels. I think I'm not sure we can sit here right now and say with absolute 100% certainty that Jalen Daniels is not a top five or top six quarterback in the Big 12. And so when you're looking at it from that perspective, it it would seem like it would be him. Uh, Earl Bostic might even be in that discussion. You know, potentially, I know a lot of people think that uh, across the league feel like Caleb Sampson is a guy that could potentially have an all-Big 12 turn. And so... I think there are options there. Um, I Phelps would probably not be too far down the list, but I do think that it would probably go to to one of those other guys. And and it's interesting if you're if you're taking them for college purposes, right? Then somebody like Devin Neal, who also has the added eligibility, potentially becomes more valuable than a running back that you might only have for one year as well. If I told you that Kansas is going to win four or five games this season, I don't know, maybe like you just said with Caleb Sampson, maybe be someone else. What would be your guess on what players 
hit the most for KU, whether it's guys just improving who are on the roster from last year or players that they brought over like Phelps or Craig Young that would earn all conference recognition. Like what players do you think would either have to hit or could you see working out if KU did have that that on-field success in terms of wins? Yeah, I think Bostick's one of them, but I think the, the biggest thing that would help them win games is for defensive improvement. And so you're looking at either a Samson or a Phelps or somebody to give them that up front. I do think the group that you would notice the most improvement from in that scenario would be the linebacker group. It's just tough to predict who's, who's going to be the specific guy there, right? Because last year, Kansas really struggled at linebacker, and Rich Miller by the end of the year was, was their best linebacker. And, and there's you know sort of a non-zero deal this year where where maybe Rich Miller is is their third best starter if you're looking at Craig Young, if you're looking at Lorenzo McCaskill. You know, McCaskill's obviously extremely proven at the at a different level and at a different school. It may take him a little while to work into the lineup, but I think that that's the group where you can't necessarily circle somebody there and say Craig Young is the guy that's all big twelve if KU wins four games. But I think you can circle that group and say if KU wins four games, that group probably played significantly better as a group than it did last year. He is Kevin Flaherty. You can check out all his work, 24-7 sports, cbssports.com. Kevin, I appreciate the time as always, man. All right. Thanks a lot, Derek. All right. That's Kevin Flaherty. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down, one to go. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Five o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN with Nick Springer. I am Derek Johnson here, and uh, we've got some Mason Fairchild audio to get to you in just a little bit here, but we're unveiling another new segment on today's edition of RCST. It's called Bad News, Good News. I don't know, maybe, I've been going back and forth on this all day. Good news, bad news? Yeah, does it sound better as good news, bad news? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think think good news, bad news is better, because it's like... Here's the good news and then the bad news. See, but it. that's what I was thinking. I was thinking good news, bad news just sounds better. But what happens whenever you go up to someone and you say, I have good news and I have bad news? They say, I want the bad news first. Well, not always. I mean, it's the. It's, it's I have a, never had someone say, really? give me the good news first. Really? That's surprising. Because they want to end on a high note. They want to end on the good news, right? I suppose. I, I mean, I I know plenty of people that have that have taken the bad news. Really? Or that have taken the you mean the, the good, good news first? first. Yeah, 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 so yeah. They just want to end on a sour note. Well, or it's just like maybe they've already had a bad day, and so it's like <laughs> you know what? Get worse. I, I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear more bad news right away. Give me some good news first. Okay. Well, maybe we'll uh, we'll workshop the title there and uh, <laughs> change the name there. Uh, but <clears throat> we're gonna go through some stories and tell you the bad news, the good news. Whatever news you want to hear. Yeah, whatever news you want to hear. I guess, I, so should we give the good news first? Should we give the bad news first? <laughs> now I'm all um, all messed up. You could you could do both of I mean, we have enough stories <laughs> here. You could just do some good, some bad to start off with. Okay, uh, let's start off with this one. Kobe Baines is being brought in by KU Football. He's a transfer from Louisville on the uh, offensive line for KU. Good news? KU needs offensive line depth. Like we've talked about this a lot. The fact that KU is going to have a lot of competition for these backup spots. He didn't play a ton last season. He only played nine snaps last year. All of them were run block snaps. 
but he was listed coming into this year as a backup on the two deep at Louisville. If you're good enough to be a backup on the two deep, if, if you're good enough even to be on the two deep at Louisville, that means you'll be good enough to be on the two deep for this Kansas team that is trying to develop that offensive line. So that's good. You need more offensive line depth. You need guys who are power five ready in terms of body and being able to play. The bad news is that I wonder if you're taking on a transfer this late in the game. Like, seriously, we have... I don't even know if they're still doing camp this week or if it's just like normal practices because they start school. I believe that's what happens. Yeah, I think it's just normal. Okay, and then next week is is the first week of like game planning week and, yeah. and install and everything like that. Yeah. Um. So pretty much, so camp is over. And what that means is if you're taking on a guy after camp is over, I, I know it's not all up to you. It's partially up to when does the guy enter the transfer portal and everything. That tells me that clearly you're not super happy with where everything is as far as those backup offensive line spots. And I know that, just to play a little devil's advocate to that, like obviously you're in a position at Kansas where you just take on whatever talent you want and you figure it out or, or that you can get and you kind of figure it out from there. And you'll never say no to even more offensive line depth because it's very important to have depth there. So even if Kansas did feel good about some of the backups, and, and maybe they do, you still would not say no to a guy like this. But it does make me wonder this late in the game if that's not a good sign of where those backups are progressing. I'm going to take the Lance Leipold approach mm-hmm. here. Actually, it, he had a similar question that was asked of him in the press conference last week where he said somebody asked him about guys getting recruited over. And Lance, he kind of took offense to that. You know, He was basically like, hey, we're not recruiting over anybody. We're recruiting the best guys, right? We're recruiting whoever the best guys are. Like, just because we have somebody who's really talented doesn't mean we're not going to go after another really talented recruit. And so maybe that maybe that's the strategy here with 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 Baines. It's it's hey, we know we need depth. We're going to need more guys. And here was somebody who was in the transfer portal late. Uh, we're having this discussion off the year. I don't mm-hmm. even know if he's going to be eligible to play right away. I think he's going to have to get a waiver of some kind, or so he may not even be eligible really to 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 play potentially for KU. And obviously, on top of that. As you were just talking about, he's coming in at the end of fall camp. So how quickly is he going to be able to get up to speed on terms of the offense and whatnot? So, you know, we'll see about all that. But, yeah, I think from the Lance Leipold perspective, it's great to have more depth, great to have more more guys. Yeah, and, yeah, the, the waiver thing is certainly interesting as part of all of this. He entered into the transfer portal, obviously, after the deadline that they set. I forget if it's May 1st or June 1st or whatever. Uh, where you have to enter by then to be eligible for the next season. So he entered after that. But we've seen the NCAA give out a lot of waivers to other guys who have just entered after and that sometimes it almost feels like the NCAA at this point is just like, you know, this is the Wild West. We're not going to really deal with this because we don't want to and we don't want the bad PR if we deny a guy a waiver and then a story comes out. Like I remember a couple years ago, there's that story that came out that like some guy was like just outside the, the zone area and he's like, I don't know, he had a family member who was like sick or had like cancer or something like that. And he was denied the way. And it was just like very bad PR for the NCAA. So I feel like a lot of times they're just giving out waivers nowadays. I'm kind of expecting him to be able to get that waiver and, and be cleared. But I guess you don't you don't fully know. And it's clearly not a guarantee. OK, next story up for good news, bad news. Most home runs by rookies this season in the MLB. The good news, the Royals are first. Woo! Look at that. All the young guys coming into play. It makes First you feel better for next year. Uh, the bad news. When you look at the teams who are in second and third, it's the Pirates and the Cubs, which <laughs> both teams were very bad this year. And uh, you never know with the Cubs because they, they have the money that they could turn things around quickly. With the Pirates, this is obviously a long rebuild for them. 
that doesn't speak well if that's the company you're around to say that, oh, well, clearly this is going to work. Look at all these young guys. It may just more be, hey, we're just playing a lot of young guys and they're just going to total up numbers. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Look, look at the Royals' circumstances where their strategy has now become, we're just going to empty out the farm system and put them in the majors and see how they do, right? So obviously, if you have eight, nine rookies playing consistently, they're probably going to hit more home runs than teams like the Dodgers or whatever, where they're not playing. They're all they're not playing rookies. So I mean, it makes sense. But you're right. You, you never want to be with the Pirates. I mean, I think anytime. <laughs> sorry, sorry to the Pirates. Anytime you're next to the Pirates, it's it's probably not a not a not a good thing. No, stay away. Uh, <laughs> no, no. You know, the only thing you want to be associated with the Pirates is like if you're the Rays, where it's like, hey, we made a trade where we ripped off the Pirates and got yeah. All these guys for. I mean, when's the last time the Pirates were good? Like, actually good. I mean, definitely mid 2010s. They were like a playoff team, but I don't think they ever won a playoff series. Yeah, like McCutcheon, um, Edinson Volquez, I want to say, was on the team at one point or another. Garrett Cole was there. Oh, yeah. They they had some guys. Yeah, I forgot about Garrett Cole. They were kind of in a. They were one of those years where, like, I think the NL Central, you had like the Cubs, the. Oh, who else was good in the Central at that point? It wasn't the Reds. I don't know. Maybe it was the... No, I don't think it was the Burst. Uh, there were three teams in the NL Central. It was the Cubs, it was the Pirates, and it was Burst? someone... Oh, Cardinals. Cardinals, oh, duh. Cardinals. That it was like one of them won 100 games, the other one won like 98, and the other one won like 96 or something like that. And so the Pirates kind of were... like If they were in another division, they might win the division, but they end up playing in the wild card game, which... Uh, didn't work out too well for them. Okay, uh, the next one, the Carolina Panthers have a starting quarterback. There's the news. The good part of it, it's no longer Sam Darnold, who was very bad last season. The bad news is, and I don't even know, maybe this is being too harsh, uh, it's <laughs> Baker Mayfield, because Baker Mayfield hasn't been great. But then again, you know, you look at what he put up two years ago, you could make the argument he was like a top half of the league quarterback at that point. Yeah. So maybe it's not that bad, but... I don't know. It's 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 not sexy, and it's it's. Hey, we went from PJ Walker to Sam Darnold to Baker Mayfield. Woo! I think the more interesting part of the story is that it took this long for them to <laughs> determine that Baker Mayfield was the starter. I mm-hmm. mean, I think most co- people with common sense could could have safely assumed that Baker Mayfield was going to be able to beat Sam Darnold for the starting job. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Sam Darnold has shown who he is, and that is a bad, bad below average quarterback. Right. Yeah. So uh, to me, the shocking part of this story is what took him so long? I mean, (laughs) come on. You got Baker right there in front of you. He's definitely better than Sam Darnold. I could have told you that two months ago. So do you think Baker Mayfield will have a good year? Uh, Define good year. I mean, are we going to be talking about Baker Mayfield at the end of this season as like, oh, yeah, maybe he's a league average quarterback. And, And I guess to a point where will he be good enough for the Panthers to say, we're fine with having him as our starter next year as well. I think yes. Okay. I think so, yes. Because the Panthers, obviously they still have Christian McCaffrey if he can stay healthy. They've got other weapons. They've got yeah, DJ, like Moore, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. Yeah, yeah they've got good weapons. Uh, I don't really know what their defense is looking like. But, you know, they're and they're in the NFC South where the Falcons are going to be bad. The Saints are probably going to be pretty good with Jameis, unless, if, unless you're a Jameis hater. No, I, I think they're just going to be like, to me they seem like the high floor team that like, I have a hard time seeing them winning less than seven games. Yeah. I also have a hard time seeing them win more than what ten. I mean, they have a good yeah. defense, good weapons, fine quarterback. Like, yeah, they could go ten and seven, nine and eight. You know, <laughs> well, 
Well, then where do you see the Panthers? I mean, how many wins can the Panthers get realistically? That's the thing because, like you said, I don't know much about the defense. They were good to start last season, and then they just kind of fell apart as the season went on. But they've been using a lot of draft picks on that defense. Guys like Derek Brown and Jeremy Chin, like it should be getting better. But also you look at the quarterback, like clearly the ownership doesn't have faith in the coach. And I look at it that way and – even if Baker Mayfield ends up being better than Jameis Winston, because clearly like Tom Brady's the best quarterback in the division, and then there's a big gap in the rest of that NFC South. I don't know who's better between Jameis and Baker Mayfield, but I'm clearly taking the structure and the coaching, even though it's not even Sean Payton anymore, Dennis Allen with the Saints than I am over the Panthers. So I feel like if you're third in that division, I think the Falcons, like you said, they're just going to be really bad. But if you told me the Panthers win six, seven, eight games... I think I'd buy into that. Okay, yeah. It kind of sounds like you're a bit of a Jameis hater. No, I'm not a Jameis hater. I'm just not a Jameis lover either. <laughs> I just like, um, I don't know. He's he's fine. He's not, I'll, I'll be interested. He got LASIK, right? And, yep. and we didn't get to see the full fruits of that last year because he got injured. So it remains to be seen. Jam- I don't know. Jameis Winston makes the NFL more enjoyable. Oh, I 100% agree with that. I want Jameis <laughs> Winston to be starting a quarterback for the next 15, 20 years. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I love watching... Uh, the season where he had 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions was one of the, the most fun parts of, yeah. of watching football. Like, if you're not a fan, if you're a fan of that team, that's got to be pretty darn frustrating. But, like, from an outside perspective, that's awesome. Yes. Uh, this news, college football starts this weekend. We've kind of brought this up a few times. The good news, football is back. Like, how yeah. could you how could you renege football? How could you be mad about football being on your, your television? The bad news, though, is that all of these week zero <laughs> games suck. They're they're really bad. I think the closest like spread in any of them is like eight <laughs> or nine. I think I don't know because you got Nebraska Northwestern. I think we talked about it as objectively yep. probably the most and, interesting. And just game. to be clear, that's the most interesting game if that's what we're talking about. Both teams went three and nine last season, <laughs> but so it's also it's also in Ireland. So I mean that adds some yeah that adds some pizzazz to it. Uh, and then there's like Florida State is playing Duquesne. There's uh, New Mexico State's playing an FCS school. There's Vanderbilt, Hawaii. Austin P. Western Kentucky, Nebraska Northwestern, Idaho State, UNLV, UConn, Utah State. Wyoming, Illinois might be kind of interesting because Illinois, uh, with Brett Bielema now, maybe they're going to trend toward being a bowl team. Wyoming's been like a solid Mountain West school, but they lost so much from last year's team. Uh, Let's see. You got... UTEP North Texas that might not be bad. UTEP was a bowl team last year. North Texas was five and seven. Okay, um, okay. you get me to buy back in a little bit. That's about it. Nevada New Mexico State do anything for you? Isn't Mexico State really bad? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're regionally close to each other. Maybe that's a bit of a rivalry. Okay. I don't know. Okay. I'm not interested in this much at all. I. Uh, <laughs> You know, if this you want, al- it's almost like you know one of those things where they make you sit through the really horrible stuff yeah. before you get to the right. Because like week this is one, the vegetables before yeah, the see, entree. Week right? one is loaded, uh-huh. right? Week one's loaded, so it's like okay, here's all of your crap. You got to wade through it. You just got to suck it up and deal with it, and then you get to the good stuff. Yeah, even that the Thursday night leading into week one, we get like Pittsburgh and West Virginia. But yeah, yeah. that that first area. Uh, yeah, just tune into the Baker University, top 15 in the country, NAI. Tune into that game. I'll be broadcasting that on Saturday. So there you go. that's where you can get your football fix. Artie Moreno, who is the owner of the LA Angels, is exploring a sale of the team. Good news with that. 
Get Mike Trout and Shohei Otani into the playoffs. I would love to see Shohei Otani putting on a show in the playoffs. The bad is that Shohei Otani is a free agent in, I believe it's two years from now. And a lot of times when ownership takes over, like I don't know how fast the sale is going to be, but the way it was put is that he is exploring a sale. That sounds to me like this could be a year-long process. And then if it's a year before you sell it, new owner takes over, usually the ownership is going to like let there be like even in the case of Steve Cohen who is like an owner who's very aggressive and uses his money in a lot of ways that first year he wasn't really using it he was kind of like like he made the Francisco Lindor trade or or the GM did but he was kind of sit back and then this year is when they they sprung for it so there could be by the time a new owner is in there Shohei Otani might be on another team or traded away or whatever and by that time you're talking about Mike Trout being in his at that point like mid 30s and he's already dealing with injury stuff, might be kind of on the outside of his prime and everything, that maybe this just doesn't matter. So uh, that's the negative side of that. I'm sure you've seen, uh, I mean, I don't know how you could have possibly not seen it by now, the, the the recirculating social media joke of, you know, Mike Trout hits three home runs, Shohei Otani does st- something that's yeah. never done since 1912, and the Angels lose to the A's 8-6. to six. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> That's been the Angels. That's been how the Angels have been existing for the past multiple years now, and I don't know. I mean, I, I think, I think ownership in baseball certainly matters more than ownership in other sports because mm-hmm. of the fact that there's yeah, no, no salary cap. No salary cap. So from that standpoint, it, it it certainly could make a make a difference. But I don't know. And also, I I don't understand how you could make this a sale happen quickly. I mean, this is going to certainly take some time, like you said. Yeah, billions of dollars. Well, uh, maybe yeah. not billions. I don't know. It could be. Maybe a couple billion. I have no idea how much baseball teams are worth. Uh, Kevin Durant rescinded his trade request. That's the news. The good part of it. Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons. That's a really good basketball trio. It's really switchable with Kevin Durant and uh, Ben Simmons. You can play both of them at kind of a 4-5 if you wanted to play small against certain lineups. The bad news Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and Ben Simmons are bound to find issues on and off the court. Eric, I have some. I have a question. Yes, you do realize Ben Simmons didn't play a game. <laughs> yeah. He did not play a game. <laughs> the he idea of even... Ben Simmons is cool. <laughs> I, uh. He didn't even play a game. Yeah. So how can you sit here and say, "Oh, Kyrie, KD, and Ben Simmons, good trio"? <laughs> hey, what do you mean? What do you mean, good trio? He didn't even play. <laughs> No, and I mean Kyrie like barely played too, which that <laughs> wasn't true. all in his hands. But yeah, that's um, Kevin Durant said injury stuff. So like, what's the over under on these three even playing together though? Like, like over that's the course what I'm of saying. Season, that's know? what I'm saying. Like, are they going to play like twenty games? Exactly, exactly. Like, are they going to play 30, 40 games together? If that, like, I'm and, pretty and sure. Wasn't it last year the Nets were a, they had a better record when Kyrie didn't play? Right. Yeah, yeah. It was for it, a while. Well, and I want to say ever since they got James Harden for that brief period he was there when they had Kyrie, Harden, and Durant, it was only like thirty eight games that they played together like all together that's insane yeah so it's a cool idea <laughs> looks great I, i'm sure this is an unbelievable 2k team unbelievable oh, 2k true. team uh but real life i'm uh not expecting it to do much even though if they're all healthy and all playing and actually like trying at a high level it could be pretty filthy but nick springer i'm Derek johnson that is good news bad news this is rock chalk sports talk on fm 1017 and 1320 klwn mason fairchild audio next